Okay, so once again, welcome to the Coffin Heroes podcast, the game with your host, Alan. Uh, so what we're going to do is go through the previews this month. Uh, similar to last month, we had a, a good little, um, little bit of feedback on the show, simply because there was a few different voices to be heard. It wasn't just myself recommending everything. Had a few of the other guys uh, around talking about what they enjoy in comics and what they're looking forward to. Uh, so for that, uh, I've got the same guys back again. So once again, joined by... Keith, nice to be here. Kieran, Stephen. There we go. Listen to that excitable bunch. Uh, yeah, so again, we're looking through the previews that came through this month. This is for what's going to be coming out in December. Uh, I know it seems like an awful long way away. It's really not. Uh, we're recording this on October the 2nd. Um, so again, just going through what we're looking forward to. Again, we wouldn't trust Kieran with picking anything because, you know, if it doesn't involve Swamp Things, Satan or John Constantine, he's not interested. Uh, <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider as well. Cosmic Ghost Rider you can get on board with. <laughs> Who knows, we may do another podcast where he talks about Cosmic Ghost Rider. Who knows? Uh, so, what we're going to do, we're going to mix it up a little bit and start off with indie this time. Now, with the indie picks, I did these myself. The last thing I wanted to do was pick all image titles. Very easily done. We even had a slight sort of, you know, point brought up in the last podcast. Are image really indie anymore? They're pretty much halfway between indie and the big two. They're pretty much out in their own. Uh, They attract all the best creators, the best writers, the best artists. So I, I limited my picks from image to two and then picked a few others from a few other smaller independent uh, publishers. But of course with images where we start, uh, there's a title coming out in uh, December called Prodigy. No, not that one. Uh, I know everyone's going to think, is this you know Keith Flint and all the rest starting up their own comic? Oh, I was thinking about the character that uh, Peter Parker portrayed in uh, Identity Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Parker in Identity Crisis? He then reappeared in uh, something else and most recently, Ben Reilly. Identity uh, crisis is DC. Oh. Identity crisis. Identity. <laughs> identity. Thi- it was identity something. I feel like I was. Identities were involved. It was yeah. definitely an identity thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Prodigy in this case, it's actually the next title from Mark Miller, of course responsible for things like uh, Kickass, Hit Girl, and um, Kingsman in terms of the independent world. But Mark Miller, I'm sure Keith will be very familiar with. Name a couple of different. Uh, yeah, 1998, Identity Crisis was before that for DC. <laughs> it's just uh, a word. Calm yourself. <laughs> is where you look it up in Identity Crisis 1999. <laughs> Which he's doing now. Um, God, I just want to hear the result of this before I even continue. You just keep talking until he gets there. <laughs> well, I was trying to interject him into the conversation. Because, 2004. There you go. Oh. So I was trying to interject Keith into the conversation because of Mark Miller and his Marvel work. Which, of course, was on... The Ultimates. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking of Civil War. Civil War as well. Yeah. Civil yes. War was the main one for me, along with <laughs> yes. old, old Man Logan. Logan. Yeah, that's right. The two old that come Logan. to mind. Yeah, but Mark Miller pretty much outgrew Marvel and DC. He is such a talented writer. He established his own label has, called so Miller has, World. Has Mark Miller worked for DC or? Yeah. Mark Miller's done stuff for DC. He did Flash. Uh, oh. he did a good run on Flash. Uh, there's a really great trade actually you can get, which is. All of Grant Morrison's stories and all of Mark Miller's stories in one trade oh, for wow. the Flash. 
Which Grant is, Morrison, who's famous for those My Chemical Romance music videos. No, no, no. Grant Morrison, and, who's... And taking uh, Stephen's picks this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Stephen may be barred from the next podcast. Uh, no, I'm talking about Grant Morrison, the single greatest uh, comics writer in history. He's oh. going to be writing Green Lantern. Who he is indeed. Picked last, Green month, Green not by, picked last month not by Stephen, but by Brandon. Which I would have picked. <laughs> Big Liam Sharp fan here. Oh, this is going to be fun to edit. Um, yeah, so anyway, Prodigy, so written by Mark Miller. Uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I always say to follow creators rather than titles. So I'm already a bit of a Miller fan, not as much as Vicky is, but you know. But I love the artist, Raphael Albuquerque. He's the artist on American Vampire. He's also been on Detective Comics recently as well. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of his. So for Prodigy, you know, just very simply, it's going to be a six-issue miniseries. I have a little blurb for it. It's just Edison Crane's not content being the world's smartest man and most successful businessman. His brilliant mind needs to be constantly challenged. He's a Nobel Prize winning scientist, genius composer, Olympic athlete, an expert in the occult, and now international governments are calling on him to fix the problems they just can't handle. So we're not jealous of this man at all as we struggle to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the cover's really cool. It's sort of like, uh, it's a little play on Odin's The Thinking Man, uh, but on his left hand is a uh, automatic machine gun. So yeah, I again, I'll always follow creators, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. That cover is, is that John Cassidy? Uh, this is actually Albuquerque, but Cassidy is doing a variant. Um, in fact, Albuquerque's doing five variants, covers A to E, wow. but cover F is John Cassidy. So, but that's definitely Albuquerque. I recognize the uh, the signature on that one. Yeah. So again, what's great about indie series like that? Six issues. You're you know setting the title up for a defined period of time, rather than wondering where the story's going to end. Uh, so for my other uh, indie one. <clears throat> I chose, or my other image one I should say, I chose this because this sounds like it's right out of the 1990s. This sounds like the kind of thing image would have set up, uh, uh, they would have done just after they set up. In the preview pages alone, it's a clandestine government agency can hijack the body of anyone on earth to complete their most dangerous missions. But what happens when their best agent becomes their number one target? Uh, the writer in this one's Andy Diggle. Uh, I know him primarily from The Losers which was a great series done with Jock. And also he took over Thief of Thieves after Kirkman set that up. I don't know if anybody's read Thief of Thieves here. Uh, no? We bet at the start. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was Kirkman set that up, created that world, but Andy Diggle took it over maybe about 12 to 13 issues into it. And then the artists on this are Alessandro Vitti and Adriano Lucas. It doesn't state, just as I'm saying, the benefit of indie comics is short series. It doesn't actually state if this is going to be a mini-series or not. But... Again, just a bit more of info uh, on the blurb for this is, imagine being able to take over the body of anyone on Earth. Sound crazy? Not for Agent Drake and the hardcore program. They can turn any person into a human drone to get the targets that normal soldiers can't. Drake is the best soldier hardcore has to offer, but when he gets stranded in a body with only 72 hours to discover who's hijacked the program, he'll have to pull out all the stops against an enemy who could literally be anyone. Uh, again, it just sounds straight out of the nineties. Whether it's you know nineties action movies, That's, early uh, image comics, that, that concept, that body swapping concept. Uh, I'm about five or six episodes into Altered Carbon on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great sci-fi series, but that's the central conceit of it: mm. is that your your personality is is in this uh, digital stack mm-hmm. uh, implanted in your your neck, so you can beam your personality between bodies or 
you know you can re-sleeve your, your your stack so you, so the bodies are really just considered sleeves so it's, it's a wee bit of a, a crossover with that there I think I was slightly put off that just because it stars the guy from Suicide Squad Joel uh, Kinnaman he's, he's been in better stuff than Suicide Squad Suicide Any, Suicide anything else Oscar Suicide winning Suicide Squad yeah. Who is how many Oscar Marvel movies have won an Oscar Oh. Who is he in Suicide Squad? Uh... Did you just defend Suicide Squad? No, I defended <laughs> The Dark Knight, which won an Oscar. Uh, if we're going to talk about DC movies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> God damn it, he's got me there. I didn't um, actually recognise him. He's bulked up so much for that role. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognise him for the first two or three Who is he in Suicide Squad? He's uh, Flag. Rick Flag. Oh, yeah. okay. And the only other movie I know him off the top of my head was Robocop, the remake, which was a lot better yeah, like than it had any right to be. He was in The Killing, wasn't he? The American remake of The Killing. Oh, yeah. never watched it. So we're coming through Marvel shows. <laughs> <laughs> On the Luke Cage at this point, for those keeping count. Um, yeah, so that was the title, as I say, called Hardcore. Uh, the next one is a very fitting title for this time of year. And again, we were talking about Grant Morrison. So this one is Klaus and the Crying Snowman, number one. Now this is going to be a, a giant size um, single issue, just a one-shot. Written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Dan Mora. Now, Klaus has been around for quite some time. Um, Grant Morrison's been writing it for a number of years now. They will be re-releasing some of the original stories as well. But with this one, they talk about it as the best holiday tradition in comics returns in the next chapter of the epic Santa saga by visionary Grant Morrison and Eisner Award-nominated artist Dan Mora. Klaus has to help an absentee dad turn snowman, make amends before melting away for good, and probably before he's defeated by a pantheon of Norse gods and their minions. All in a day's work for Santa Claus. Oh my god. How does that not sound awesome? So what, what, what is Klaus? So basically Klaus is where uh, Grant Morrison reimagines Santa Claus as a superhero. Oh, it's basically okay, what it boils right, down yeah. to. And uh, they've been doing it for a number of years. I mean, if you look at one of the previous ones, How Santa Claus Began. Last year, I think, at least one did it. I think I've seen that in the previous last year. And I what's this? And then never sort of done anything with it. Well, yeah, I mean, what they're offering here at the same time in the previous book is this new release. is a hardcover called How Santa Claus Began. And it says, They reimagine a classic superhero for the 21st century, drawing on Santa's roots in Viking lore and Siberian shamanism. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's it's a really, really great series. It's something I've always enjoyed every year. And they tend to always release a one-shot every Christmas. Mm-hmm. So this is actually out on the 19th of December. So it would actually be an alternative sort of stocking filler almost for... <laughs> You know anybody you know who enjoys comics and more of that Kieran's eyes just lit up like you wouldn't believe there. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun that series, and it's a weird thing to say about Grant Morrison, but it's so accessible. It's very straightforward, unlike you know a majority of his work. <laughs> unlike a majority of his work. Um, so from the ridiculous to the even more ridiculous, uh, this one is uh, a dynamite title. And uh, this is Vampirella. So Vampirella's been around for a long time. Everybody knows the character. But what they've been doing a lot recently is Vampirella crossovers. And this one is Vampirella versus Reanimator. Now, I'm a big Reanimator fan. I love that sort of schlocky horror type style of anything. Uh, this one is going to be written by Cullen Bunn. Who, of course, X-Men Blue Rider. Darth Maul. He's written a lot of Aftershock uh, horror titles as well. Um, so for this one it's a case of it's the big question apparently of 2018 not how big is Bruce Wayne's cock but (laughs) uh, the big question is how could Vampirella and the Reanimator not have met before now 
Herbert West, the reanimator, has long sought the secret to perfecting his region and breaking death's hold on mankind once and for all. The key to his success lies in only one place, the forbidden tomb of the Aztec god of death. But disturbing sleeping gods is as troubling, to put it mildly, as raising the uncontrollable murderous dead, especially when this deity is an ancient enemy of Vampirella of Draculin. It's vampire versus mad scientist in a battle that threatens to tear the gates of the underworld asunder. It just sounds a bit ridiculous, which is what I sort of enjoy about indie comics. They're, they've got so much freedom to basically create their own worlds, create their own stories. Herbert West, Reanimator, was originally an H.P. Lovecraft character, same guy oh, that yeah? wrote All of Cthulhu. Oh, interesting. Uh, and uh, all of the Cthulhu mythos stuff. wonder if there's any sort of uh, mentions of that in the comic series, know, so to speak. Never touched it. I mean, Lovecraft's something I personally have chatted to you about recently. I'd like to yeah. sort of get into. Just finding starting points is the uh, is the difficult part. Sure, it's so it's dense. Yeah, it's a good collection of Lovecraft stuff. All his classic stuff is on Amazon. That's how I got it. Did anyway. Mm. Big conglomerate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was Vampirella versus Reanimator. Again, I think it's going to be a four issue mini series. So just. A little bit of fun there, something that you wouldn't really get in any other medium. Uh, the last one I'm going to pick is actually one that, it's not a character I'm overly familiar with, but what caught my eye here was that this was going to be the first ongoing series for this character in 30 years. What they're going to do is something similar to what they did with the recently relaunched Judge Dredd. They're going to do four issue arcs at a time, see how that goes, and then it will continue to be ongoing. It will be number five, but it'll be then a new arc of four issues, that kind of thing. So, I don't know if any of you guys have memories of the Tank Girl movie. Which starred Ice no. T as a sentient kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. It really was that uh, ridiculous. Laura Petty. Laurie, was... Laurie Petty, yeah. Okay. No, I Tank Girl it. is one of the first comic book movies I ever watched. Like, going right back. And although it's a ridiculous movie, it's undeniably an interesting visual movie. Um, now, with Tank Girl, they've actually brought on uh, Tank Girl's original creator to write this as well, Alan Martin. And then it's going to be an artist called Brett Parson, who's drawn Tank Girl quite a few times before. So they're trying to set up a brand new universe for Tank Girl. Uh, they're saying the Tank Girl universe begins here. Explore the backstories and secrets behind the world of the post-apocalyptic punk icon. I'm looking forward to this. It's, again, it's it's something a little silly. It's something a bit over the top, a bit ridiculous. Um, but, you know, you look at some of the uh, cover art. Yeah, looks wonderful. Looks like they're relaunching a lot of the old stuff as well. Yeah, big time. I mean, of course, Karen points at the dirty old tank girl, uh, which has three women in a shower. <laughs> That's all the tank girl's about. But oh, <laughs> but it, it clearly you know caught your interest. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that, those are my picks. As I said, I just wanted to try and highlight some of the variety in indie comics instead of just picking image stuff or just sticking with the big creators. So with Tank Girl, as I said, that's going to be a wee four-issue mini-series which leads into an ongoing. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me with uh, Indie. We'll only take a wee break here, but let's just continue rattling on. We'll jump straight across to... Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Simply because Stephen doesn't have the book in front of him. Um, oh, okay. So Keith, once again, is going to be our Marvel, uh, Marvel guy. Um, I have to say that one of my favourite comments for the, uh, the last podcast was from one of our regulars called Philip, who said, I hate that guy, Keith. I just want to specify, I don't actually hate him. He's just going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> so be prepared for some uh, really great sounding titles coming your way now from Marvel. Okay, so uh, thanks very much, Ellen. 
so my first pick, uh, just going through the uh, just going through the Marvel previews book, is Fantastic Four number five or Legacy issue number six hundred and fifty. Um, written by Dan Slott uh, of Spider Man fame. Uh, just Silver Surfer fame for Silver me. Silver Surfer fame, but he's just come off a 10 year run on Spider Man. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the first two oh, issues of Fantastic Four have been fantastic. Uh, Four? Yeah. They you. Have been. <laughs> uh, uh, so, what's special about this is that it's a wedding issue. Uh, now, May I just uh -oh. specify at this point, Keith's exact words to me a wedding people care about. Yeah, exactly. So, the two, the two, the two big weddings this year have been uh, colossal fuck-ups. <laughs> Stephen's still smarting colossal from uh, Stephen's still smarting from Batman Fifty. Batman uh, Fifty, which I'm a bit out of control of in terms of collecting right now. Uh, the uh, the the uh, wedding. The non-wedding, uh, if you will. Batman and Catwoman. Spoilers. It didn't happen. Uh, and then the other was uh, the wedding between Colossus but and Kitty Pryde, which didn't happen. What did happen was another wedding between Gambit and Rogue. Jews were marvelous. Jew. There's a wedding. Credit were marvelous. Jew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Right. Right. Marvel. X-Men, there's a wedding, but there's not a wedding. But there is a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you're saying you wanted Nightwing and Barbara Gordon to get married in Batman 50? Well, no, but Marvel, they announce a wedding, a wedding issue. DC, they say, right, Batman and Catwoman are going to get married. Here's five preludes. Here's a wedding issue. Right. Here's, Here's your invite. Yes, I Here's see your where invite. you're from. DC <laughs> gave the public... Invites to the wedding, but they see told a better story, which I'm still bitter about, right? Because my uh, no, really? my, my invite was on my fridge. His personal invite, <laughs> to Stephen. I don't know. Please come to my wedding. I do know. I think that says more about you than it does about the coming. I thought it looked nice, so I put it up the fridge, and I actually had guests, and they says, "Oh, who's wedding?" <laughs> and then he had to destroy those guests by going, "They didn't get married." Yeah. But what actually, what actually Talk about going off on a tangent. What? Uh, sorry. Yeah. The hurt. The hurt is real. The hurt is real. The hurt is real. Okay. So okay, they so, say so they say the best things come in three. So here's the third wedding of the well, year. Well, this is this is a wedding that maybe not the wedding of the year, but a wedding that's been years in the making. Mm -hmm. uh, the wedding of uh, Ben Grimm, the yeah. Thing, and uh, Alicia Masters, and they're obviously playing on what's gone before. No bait. No switch. Not a dream. Not a hoax. And we swear, not a single scroll around. This is really happening. So, <laughs> so basically, if you read this issue and it doesn't happen, you're going to be really pissed. Uh, so from the book that brought you the first best and longest-running superhero marriage in comics, Mr. Fantastic and uh, Invisible Girl. Cop Civil War. <laughs> we give you the wedding of Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters. Uh, so there's this and there's a, there's a wedding special. Uh, which I'm not really interested in. Um, not, not even for the but, art. I mean, this is this is. I think this is going to be fun. Uh, say, Dan Slott, great writer. Uh, the the cover is fantastic. I'm just reading it here. Just looking at it here, and I've noticed that we've got uh, a heart motif in the background that's made from uh, Mister Fantastic's outstretched arms, and then oh. flames from uh, clearly yeah. Johnny Storm. Now, 
Uh, the thing is, I was. So where's the invisible one? Well, I don't know. Sure, over it. Uh, she, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> the interesting thing is that uh, Fantastic Four Two was released last month. Great issue, uh, but as of yet, they haven't reunited the Fantastic Four. So whether or not the Fantastic Ooh. Four will be reunited in time for the wedding, the wedding ah, is an interesting one. Um, and then the other thing is uh, Alicia Masters. Uh, Father, stepfather, is uh, a Marvel villain named Puppet Master. He who, is, yes. Uh, yeah, and that's, yeah. How, that's how Alicia first. Yeah. She's the she's the blind sculptress uh, that, of course, has never seen uh, Ben Grimm's face, and uh, and so is is really in love with the with the beauty of his the beauty of his heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so forth and so on. So I'd say this is the this is going to be a nice this is going to be a nice. But she not have been a perfect match for Matt Murdock. Oh, that's good. Break that wedding up. Cancel the wedding. <laughs> Cancel it. Uh, I object to this wedding. I think Matt Murdock's had his own relationship problems. I can't see it happening uh, anymore. Oh, I see that. Uh, Matt Murdock's has his own relationship problems. These guys have been together for a long Solid time. Solid for a long time. Except yeah. for that one time whenever... Uh, Matt Murdock showed up. Whenever uh, after Secret Wars... Did uh, Alicia Johnny not have Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet? After Secret Wars, uh, yeah. Ben decided to remain on the, on the, the battle world yes. because... The Battle World gifted him with the ability to change back into his human form at will. Uh-huh. So after Secret Wars finished, he left. He he remained on, on the Battle yeah. World, uh, when the rest of Fantastic Four went home and recruited She-Hulk as the fourth member of the Fantastic Four. But mm-hmm. during that time, uh, Alicia was heartbroken and ended up falling into the arms of Johnny Storm. So, oh, so whatever, whatever, like, whatever, oh, whatever oh, Ben Grimm came back from World War II. You know, I, I don't see Dick his... Grayson going after <laughs> Selena, you know, after the Batman non-wedding. Well, I mean, uh, he has to recover first. Yeah. But then the story got even better than that whenever it turned out that it, there wasn't actually Lisa, there was actually a, a scroll oh, wow. named Lyra, which is where there's not a single scroll around uh, comic comes from. So there's a lot more going on there than, than you think. But anyway, uh, I think this is so. She never actually cheated on him then. No, because no. the scroll. So where yeah. was she when the scroll was there? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's my that's my first pick. So Fantastic Four number five. Uh-huh. We go from Fantastic Four and Dan Slott to X Force One. Remember we were talking about the nineties. Yeah. Ooh. So <laughs> this uh, X Force One. Uh, by Ed Breeson, who's currently writing uh, Extermination, uh, wrote Wolfman Logan, and artist Dylan Burnett, who is on Cosmic Ghost Rider. Mm. Can you talk? So it's hard to talk about this without uh, without <laughs> spoiling Extermination, but uh, this team is the original X Force team. It's not the Wolverine, Deadpool, Archangel team. Uh, that we've seen sort of mm-hmm. more recently. This is the original X Force team, uh, trained by Cable, uh, Domino, Cannonball, Shatterstar, Boom Boom, Warpath uh, are on the team, uh, and they're out for vengeance. Um, I'll not say exactly what it is vengeance for, uh, but their target is uh, the time traveling younger version of uh, Cable. Uh, and where Deathlock figures into this, I'm not quite sure, but he's on the cover as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sort of looking forward to this. Uh, there's a variant cover drawn by Rob Liefeld, who originally drew Cable Any and feet? X-Force. Yeah. Yeah. Any feet? Uh, there's nice feet. feet. Yeah, there are feet. They don't look great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because of the team, 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to this because of the writer. I'm really looking forward to this. I think... Uh, Artist as well. You know, yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider's been a great, great looking title uh, so far. But I think, you know, whenever you have a, like a, a limited series like Extermination, or any, you normally get two or three titles spinning Spin off. Item. I think this is going to be the title that spins out of Extermination. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Extermination 3 was out last week. Great series. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the, the best series I think I've read this year so far. The end of... Uh, the the end cap to X-Men Blue, mm -hmm. all new X-Men, which is the story that uh, Bendis started of the original uh, the original five X-Men in the future. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is going to be great fun. Excellent. Uh, and again, a good starting point. Always good with the number one. Yeah. And uh, great characters. Great characters. Um, from Some drawn from New Mutants and everything else, but all... Uh, part of the original. Do you get the feeling with team. Marvel at the moment with a lot of the X teams they're trying to simplify a lot of it? I think they are so yeah. X-Men Gold uh, has come to an end X-Men Blue I think is coming to an end this week mm -hmm. uh, so I think they're, the plan after Extermination is to relaunch Uncanny X-Men yeah. so I think what yeah. we're going to see is probably I mean X-Men were the, the books were strongest probably in the 80s and late 80s and early 90s and I think X Force was was a core of that. Yeah. You know, they were the the, the the mutant militia. They were the the team that were willing to do things that other teams, you know, weren't going to do. So mm -hmm. I think you're going to see Uncanny X Men, which is which is mm -hmm. uh, launching as a weekly title uh, for the first twelve issues. Anyway, um, I think you're going to see X Men, and I think you're going to see X Force. And I would love to see Excalibur back. They mm -hmm. were the they were the UK based um, oh, yeah. mutant team. Uh, fantastic stuff. So. Uh, anything with Pete Bezler in it, no, really. But anyway, that's uh, <laughs> X Force number one. Um, so my third pick is, uh, and this would be my personal pick. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not the same. As, <laughs> we we have established before doing this tonight that uh, Kieran has not looked at the previous books yet, because every time he turns the page, he, he looks at it and goes. I didn't know this was coming out. Every page. <laughs> you should listen to the previous podcast and call me here. It's a good idea. <laughs> uh, so this is the first of a five-issue limited series by... And I, and I have to ask, this is uh, before I obviously introduce the title itself. The writer, has he written for Marvel before? Uh, or is Higgins. this a case of them... Because I associate this guy with Nightwing. Uh, I would associate Kyle Higgins with Nightwing as well. I don't know if he's written for Marvel before. The... Artist has, I think, primarily been a Marvel artist, Rod Rees, uh -huh. uh, Secret Empire, and this year's Doctor Strange Damnation. Uh, but the title is Winter Soldier. Uh, so Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, yeah. um, was brought back into the Marvel Universe by Ed Brubaker really successfully, what, was it 10 years ago now? About that, somewhere in that? It's 2007. Uh, obviously had possibly the single best Marvel movie. Uh, made about him. Um, do you know, I have to say, on rewatching Infinity War, I do think Winter Soldier is a better movie. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah. But that might change when oh. I see the conclusion to Infinity War. But the thing about uh, Bucky Barnes, Bucky Barnes was one of two characters in Marvel that you do not bring back. Yeah. You know, yeah. characters in comics cross. You know, death is a revolving it, door. It used to be an old quote. Um, Nobody stays dead except for Bucky and Ben. Yes, yeah. exactly. So um, that sense became Ben. Yes, exactly. So uh, Ed Brubaker, one of the single best writers in comics, hands down, um, uh, wrote Captain America. I think it was Volume Five. Volume Five, yeah. He wrote this fantastic story that involved the Cosmic Cube and Red Skull and 
uh, obviously Captain America, and he slowly mm -hmm. threaded it out over a number of yeah. issues. And we realized at exactly the same time as Cap realized yeah. that who that character this was. killer, yeah. this uh, this this uh, mercenary, this assassin, this really skilled individual known as the Winter Soldier was his fallen comrade, Bucky Barnes. Mm -hmm. And then we learned the story that uh, Bucky had uh, been killed in that V2 rocket. Uh, he hadn't been killed. Uh, he'd no. been he dropped into the ocean preserved. like Cap. He'd uh -huh. been frozen, sort of. Uh, his body had been preserved. He was picked up by the Russians. He was mm -hmm. brainwashed. His arm was replaced and he was made into uh, a killer who they were able to put in the deep freeze and bring out in order when to complete history-changing missions. It was Winter Soldier that fired the bullet that killed Kennedy. It was, you know, Winter Soldier that, that all these historical events that changed mm -hmm. history. Winter Soldier was was the guy. Uh, eventually, in that story, Cap used the Cosmic Cube to allow Bucky to find out to realize who he was again, yep. and uh, and that was fantastic. So through through that, mm -hmm. uh, he was the, he was the Winter Soldier. He became Bucky Barnes again. Yep. Uh, he then became Captain America after Steve died. Uh, after Civil War, mm -hmm. uh, he was a fantastic Captain America. Um, after that, he became he replaced Nick Fury as the Man on the Wall, the guy who uh, watches the, I guess the, the line of protection around the Earth that negotiates with aliens, you know, and, mm -hmm. and protects the Earth. You know, he became he became that. You know, and uh, recently he's been in a series with. Alongside Hawkeye, yeah, Tales of Suspense, yeah, yeah, suspense which was a fantastic role. All about the mystery um, concerning Black Widow. Yeah, so after Secret Empire, so this looks like another evolution. You know, Bucky's been through all of these things, rediscovered himself a wee bit more every time. He was uh, led the Thunderbolts in the latest iteration of the Thunderbolts. Mm. Uh, so this is the next thing. Um, Bucky Barnes believes in second chances. Having escaped death, the loss of identity, and a life of murder, the man known as the Winter Soldier has worked hard to atone for his sins. But now he's going one step further. What do you do when you find redemption? You help others do the same. Uh, this is the next chapter in the saga of the Winter Soldier. He's becoming a fixer, working to help others lead behind lives of crime. It's Bucky's way of channeling his own pain into a productive, in a productive personal way by helping others find the redemption that he has found. However, as Bucky is going to learn, not all paths are the same, and not everyone can be saved. So uh, I think this is going to be, this is going to be uh, awesome. And again, we're talking about the guy who's been writing my favorite DC character, writing one of my favorite Marvel characters. So, can't complain. No, definitely not. And and what's looking good about this again, similar to what we're saying about the indie series, five issue mini series. I'm yeah. similar with Tales of Suspense, yeah. five issues as well. You know, not every great story in comics needs to be twelve, fifteen, mm. eighteen, twenty issues. You know, sometimes it can be just five or six issues. Mm. So, I mean, it's a character I absolutely adore in the uh, the Marvel universe and. It's interesting what you're saying there about how they dotted all the details through the graphic of Winter Soldier. I think that's one of the reasons the movie was so good because again, you found out at the same time as Cap that that was Bucky. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was only when he flicks yeah. him over his shoulder, the mask comes off, he yeah. turns around. It was. Uh, Did we what do? was what was well? <laughs> what was interesting was certainly in the comic, as we've said, you know, you don't bring back Bucky, you don't bring back Uncle Ben. Yeah. And you had that firmly in your head. Yeah. But the way Ed Breaker, Ed Brubaker did it, mm -hmm. uh, just so subtly and so well written. Yeah. By the time he revealed that it was Bucky, you were like, "Go ahead." Yeah, there was no, there was no voice of dissent. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, no. When I rewatch Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and there's there's a particular scene with uh, Robert Redford's character mm -hmm. and uh, Bucky sort of in the shadows at the bar, 
but he's not wearing his mask and you can quite visibly see hold on that's Sebastian Stan and he was Bucky like I feel like before that I was go back and watch I don't remember that I feel because I, I rewatched it a few I okay put it this way I rewatched it with the sole purpose of can you tell it's Bucky before <laughs> okay. the reveal there's and, your problem and you yeah. need to watch it with the, the same but you, I feel like you can time. because the, it is a great scene you know Cap throws the shield it breaks the, the the mask and you're like hold on that's that's Bucky no, 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 no. What happens is he's fighting him close he's, up. Oh, he punches and he, him. No, he flicks no, him over his shoulder. Him. And as he flicks him over, his hand grabs the mask. Yeah. And then he flips over the mask. Uh, we're acting all this out, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he flicks him over. And you see the mask hit the ground. And then you see the back of Bucky's. Like, I've seen this movie ten times. I just see the catch. Then you see, he I basically turns over. like that. And he goes, <laughs> Bucky? Yeah. Um, so that puts everything that you said, Stephen, in. Totally <laughs> undone. Yeah, you know what, Stephen? Just leave. No one wants to listen to what you're saying. <laughs> right, hold on. Where's the player? But I do love that idea. I, I, I'm the same. I like movies that dot clues through them, too. Yeah, yeah. And we've got slightly sidetracked, obviously, from Winter Soldier, the, the comic. But I do like movies that do that, where you can go back and go, geez, that's really clever. They yeah. just they hid that yeah. in plain sight. Yeah. Um, um, I think you're right when you're saying about the uh, limited series as well. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Uh, Winter Soldier has his own uh, book and it's it's rum it's supposed to be an ongoing it's maybe run yeah. for 10 issues and stop so yeah. maybe maybe Winter Soldier isn't suited to be long, like, a long run main character that was Breaker as well yeah, if I remember I, he, I can't remember he wrote sort of a, a, a I remember Aless Cott wrote a little series yeah. called Bucky Barnes The Winter Soldier and it was totally that psychedelic came, that yeah. came after because Brubaker if I remember after Bucky stopped being Captain America. He went on to his own series, which Brew Baker wrote Winter Soldier, and then that became that series. Yeah. I think it was one of those, uh, it was sort of split down the middle. Brew Baker done two or three volumes, mm. and then he came in and done volumes four to six, maybe. Mm. Oh, I, I mean, the, regardless, I think maybe a limited series is the. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think maybe a limited series captures that best because obviously. The Winter Soldier comes in at periods in history and then disappears. Mm, and then yeah. comes in and then disappears. Yeah. Maybe he's he's more of an impact character, maybe. Could oh, be yeah. that. Could be that. Um, Could be that. Anyway, but, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So, uh, next pick is, uh, for me... Uh, a confusing pick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it's confusing. It's uh, Superior Spider-Man 1. So, uh, Superior Spider-Man... Uh, Otto Octavius, Doctor Octopus, the uh, Spider-Man villain we all know and love. Uh, during uh, Dan Slott's run of uh, Amazing Spider-Man in two thousand thirteen, uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, there was a a, a a real twist, a real mm-hmm. plot twist, where uh, a dying Otto Octavius uh, took over Peter Parker's body. So it was a classic, uh, you know, the classic, one of those classic comic tropes, one of those classic science fiction movie tropes, you know, the body swap. But uh, what happened was Otto Octavius's body died, so there was nothing for yeah. Peter Parker to swap into. Uh, so with Peter Parker effectively dead, Otto Octavius and Peter's body, Otto became the superior Spider-Man. Uh, he... Uh, decided that he could in his arrogant way be a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker, Peter Parker ever could have been uh, and he proceeded to to do that through his, his intelligence and his uh, arrogance and his um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, as yeah, it, it, was, it was a great story. So, uh, Amazing Spider-Man was stopped and it became the Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, in terms uh, of legacy yeah, numbering and so for forth. For a run of 30 issues, 30. Uh, something along those lines. Um, that was that was 2013. Um, the end of that story involved, again, still Dan Slott, uh, the end of that story involved uh, a situation in which Otto couldn't save the day. Uh, and throughout the story, it had become clear that uh, an element of Peter Parker's consciousness or uh, his goodness or his sense of responsibility uh, hadn't been, you know, was still there. Mm-hmm. And uh, effectively, in order for um, in order for Spider-Man to be able to save the day, it needed to be Peter Parker and Otto. Uh, in the most heroic moment of mm-hmm. the story, gave Peter his body back in order that he could save the day, uh, and therefore, I guess, proved himself to his in his own eyes to be the superior Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Otto, as the superior Spider-Man again, um, appeared last two, couple of years ago in uh, a Spider-Man crossover, the name of which I've now forgotten. Spider-Verse? Spider-Verse. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Which involved multiple Spider-Mans from mm-hmm. multiple... Spider-Mans? Spider-Mans from multiple universes. Spider-People. Uh, spiders. spider ones. Spider-Web was in there. Spider-People. So anyway, uh, that was that. Uh, Spider Geddon number zero was released last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider Geddon is the uh, follow up uh, to yeah. uh, Spider Verse. Yeah. Um, the you know the villains from from Spider Verse have been released or being released, whatever else. Uh, Spider Geddon number zero involved what appeared to be the Superior Spider Man uh, Otto uh, jumping into the world of the recently released. PS4 Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, please. I haven't played it. <laughs> uh, no spoilers at all of the game, but uh, they've effectively uh, shown that uh, this the, the universe of the PS4 game is Earth 1024 or something. Uh, so it's an alternate Marvel right. universe. Uh, and the Spider-Man that we've all been playing in that fantastic PlayStation game is, what? you know, uh, with this advanced suit and so forth and so on, and the the Otto Octavius, who is his mentor, which is not the case in the original Spider-Man right. storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's going in here to pull out the PS4 Spider-Man in order to be, you know, yeah. to be part of this war, this oncoming war. So mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know what uh, what Otto's game is, where he's come from, because mm-hmm. last we heard, uh, Otto had given over the body to Peter Parker, you know, and so I, I don't know exactly what the score is, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously this links into this, but... This is Superior Spider-Man 1, which is a Spider-Geddon tie-in. Um, and uh, what it says is, Otto Octavius leaves the moniker of Dr. Octopus behind and once again becomes a Superior Spider-Man. This week's release, there's a Superior, Superior Octopus. Octopus. Yeah. Uh, so, that's sorry, that's exactly where Otto is now. Yeah. Uh, Otto is uh, in a body that is a cloned body that's a combination of Peter Parker and Otto Octavius' DNA. Mm-hmm. So he's a, a young fit. He's no longer the bull cutted yeah. 60-year-old man. Uh, this young fit body. So I don't know what's happened here, why he's now back to being a superior Spider-Man. Uh, it says, if you think you've read the most intense and surprisingly heartbreaking superior Spider-Man story, prepare to be wrong. Otto was going to prove to the world that he is the most ex- effective and to him at least, best superhero in the world. When a villain that overpowers him by so much shows up in San Francisco, there's no way Ock can win, right? Uh, 
can you see auto smirking from where you're reading this? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we'll we'll see how uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, everything that's gone before for Superior Spider Man has been great. I'm really looking forward to this. This is Christos Gage, uh, who I guess uh, has been around for a fair wee while. He's most recently known for writing the Daredevil TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been a writer for Marvel and DC, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he pulls out. Mike Hawthorne as the artist, not someone who's known to me. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Spear Spider-Man, I, I just associate with Dan Slott. Yes. So it'll be really interesting to see someone... You know, it would have been easy for them to just give this a different title, and but the fact they're leading with the Superior Spider-Man yeah. shows that there's obviously a lot of confidence yeah. in what they're going to do. I feel personally, for me, it's very difficult to associate any other writer with Spider-Man Dan Danslaw because there's a boy called Stan Lee Stan there is that's a that's a familiar name who's he I just I just mean because Dan Slott recently for for people who've only really got into comics in recent years like myself Dan Slott has been the mm-hmm. the, the spider guy basically like he's wrote uh, everything he so yep. whenever you whenever you think of like the superior Spider-Man and whatnot, uh, who sort of Dan Slott created mm-hmm. and now for other people to take over it's yeah uh, yeah i'll be interested to see where they take it i have to say um spirit spider-man's not a run i'm overly familiar with i haven't read it but i of the recently acquired comic lot we have I, for the story I came across the have. first yeah. four five six issues so i'm gonna jump into it really, really yeah soon. You should, definitely um really really and i mean it was a it was a, it was another real twist and it was one of those controversial moves that mm-hmm. uh everybody went what are you doing yeah yeah and it was good. it was uh as we said it's just it's a classic trope it's a classic science fiction trope yeah. we've used it in star trek yeah. we've used it you know trading places and freaky, you know, freaky friday. friday you know what i mean and it's been used over and over again and um it's currently been used in the silencer yeah uh you know um great title so, so yeah great title but so dan slot took a took a classic trope and ran with it you yeah. know what I mean 30 issues so so Otto was Spider-Man for what three years yeah. <laughs> two and a half years yeah, I, essentially I think we discussed this in the last podcast and we were talking about the um, sort of Marvel legacy and it becoming what it is now with the amazing Spider-Man that it actually pays homage to events that happened during the superior run mm-hmm. which is it's really nice to see that that uh, it's not sort of standalone. Yeah, like it's not really yeah, a filler yeah, yeah. where Doc Ock was Spider Man. Oh no, I mean, thirty so, issues like there's uh, still repercussions yeah, of that yeah, story happening in the the, uh, the current the current run. run yeah, yeah, the current run where um, Peter never acquired his doctorate. He never had the time to do it. No, whereas Otto went away. Has yeah. this idiot never acquired his doctorate? And <laughs> yeah. did it inside like three weeks or something. Yep. You know, and then uh, Peter has been going through his, his bad bad luck phase you know what I mean he's lost his company which seems to happen every, every, every yeah. other relaunch and he was yeah. accused of plagiarism yeah, yeah, yeah. and so the new amazing yeah. Spider-Man yeah, which is sp- exactly so, so Otto Octavius got him his doctorate he still has his doctorate and whenever he was questioned about his research he was like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean and they were like but I must so have they done. ended up taking his doctorate yeah. off him yeah. you know so it's back to square yeah, exactly Aunt May was really disappointed in him and you know da 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 so yeah so yeah so exactly what you're saying so, yeah. you know, so good stuff so my last pick uh, for Marvel is uh, it's not a number one uh, it's issue six of uh, Uncanny X-Men so Uncanny X-Men is again a story that's 
coming out of the back of uh, yeah, coming out of the back of uh, extermination, I believe. So after extermination, say X Men goals finished, X Men's blue finished, and they're picking up the uncanny X Men title. And it's going to be a weekly title, I think, for had we said ten or twelve. First twelve, yeah. I think, yeah. First week, two arcs. Yeah. So, um, the the piece for this is for X Men four to seven, and it says just when uh, things didn't look like it'd get any worse, the ride of the four horsemen of salvation, the coming of X Man, and the return of Age of Apocalypse. So Age of Apocalypse, class. I'm good with it. Uh, the weekly epic that threatens to leave the X Men in tatters rolls on towards an explosive conclusion. The reason that. Uh, issue 6 which is uh, written by uh, the team of Ed Breeson, Kelly Thompson and Matthew Rosenberg and uh, written by or sorry drawn by uh, Yildare Sinar not someone I'm familiar no. with I have to say a uh, Turkish artist cover is beautiful mm-hmm. uh, this is the cover that's uh, exciting me is because right in the middle of it is X-Man uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with, with who X-Man is mm. uh, so X-Man is the Age of Apocalypse uh, version of Cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was the Cable who... He was what Cable would have been had Cable never been infected with the techno-organic virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got Cable's... He's got uh, telepathic and telekinetic powers that rival or exceed those mm-hmm. of Gene Gray's, the most powerful uh, individual of that of those, that power set within the Marvel Universe. So mm-hmm. at the end of Age of Apocalypse, there was um, a four-issue series where... Um, Dark Beast who was the Edge of Apocalypse version of Beast who also arrived in our universe created uh, cloned and sinister cloned uh, cloned Cable and created X-Man so X-Man had a long run it was like 75 issues whenever Mm -hmm. he was he popped over into our universe into the 616 universe Mm -hmm. uh, and he had this huge huge long run uh, where he was you know he he teamed up with Cable and he, he evolved into this character who was like he became this really cool like barefoot mutant shaman, you know, he had this this cool X tattoo on his chest, and he he, he decided that uh, the mutant the mutant race weren't they were a tribe, and like like shamans of old, he would be their not their leader but their guide. Yeah, you know what I mean. And in a way that Magneto wasn't guiding them, or Charles Xavier wasn't yeah. guiding. So too busy fighting with uh, each other. Yeah. So so this uh, it's been a long time since uh, I think eventually he he sort of became one with the universe or something so mm-hmm. uh, right in the middle of this cover uh, that's that's clearly a traditional man. Jesus pose yeah yeah with the, the long hair and he's got the like rogue he's got sort of the white the grey cow like at the front uh, he's grown a beard which also has grey in it and he's got that awesome tattoo in his chest so I'm just really glad to see X-Man back so that's a that's a definitely a selfish choice for me so I'm looking forward to this I'm looking forward to that Uncanny X Men run. I think it's. I'm hoping it's going to do the same for X Men as um, no, surrender. no surrender did for, for, the Avengers. for Avengers. So not out yet. It hasn't started yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, well, that's, that's my Marvel picks. That's what's great about the Uncanny X Men Six. I mean, issue one hasn't launched yet. We're in a unique position where, sorry, uh, Keith's recommending number six, but because it's going to be a weekly series, number one isn't out for a few weeks yet. So again, if this all sounds interesting or the blurb we did last time about uncanny x-men just pop in the store drop us a message you can always add that to the to the pull list uh yeah so cheers for that uh that's all of the 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 marvel picks um we will take a very quick break at this point and uh come back then with some dc picks (laughs) 
so back now to uh, the, the final part of the uh, preview show this month. So we're moving on to the best part, of course. <laughs> Sub- <laughs> subjectively, I just enjoy part. sending these things to wind up case. He <laughs> indulges me often, so you know I keep doing it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to finish off the DC previews uh, for this month. Uh, so this time, Stephen was able to pick the the previews himself rather than working off of somebody else's notes. Uh, I have went through his previews picks, so it's okay. He's got good taste, guys. Uh, so yeah, better than Brandon's? Uh, well, that's a totally different uh, question. There's no mentioning Milk Wars this month. Okay. Uh, I yes. will preface that if he says Milk Wars at any time, Grant Morrison, famous for MCR videos, or... All right, Any well, other shady time. We'll leave it there. Or if, he's, <laughs> or if he stops to look at Tinder on his phone... I'll edit that out, don't worry. <laughs> okay, so here is Stephen with this month's uh, DC previews for December. Okay, so these previews were mostly chosen by myself. I feel like Alan did have an input as it would be impossible to skip over the Batman Who Laughs, which I think I actually did when I first opened this. I just went, uh, and you just... <laughs> you, you feel- and how grateful were you that I did? Uh, pretty grateful to be honest. I mean, um, obviously the Batman Who Laughs spanned out of Dark Knight's Metal, um, this mini series by Scott Snyder and Jock, who you're a bit of a fan of. Yeah, I mean, Just a wee bit. these these guys have done two great pieces of work together. They they complement each other well. They did one of my first runs I get into was uh, Detective Comics from eight seventy to eight eight one, and it was a storyline called The Black Mirror, and. It, I know Keith's a fan of this one as well because it was Dick Grayson as Batman. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, storyline, it was Schneider writing and it was half illustrated by Francesco Francavia and the other half illustrated by Jock. Uh, Schneider and Jock have also worked together on a horror series called Witches for Image. Six mm-hmm. issues, excellent series. There's a little uh, one-shot coming out in a few weeks just for Halloween called Witches Bad Egg, which is going to be the connective tissue between Witches and Witches 2. And just on a personal note, I would like to say uh, a few months ago I was lucky enough to meet Jock and thoroughly lovely bloke. Uh, he did a little sketch for the store. It hangs proudly behind our counter. Uh, it's probably my most prized possession in the store um, in terms of things who have done original artwork. I mean, you have a very nice pork piece in the store. The pork piece can go fuck itself. Um, <laughs> But uh, with with regards to Jock, he was at a con at Enniskillen and, and Vicky and I, we decided to close the store that morning because we just really wanted to meet him. And we literally drove down. We left at, what, 8am. Vicky drove us down, 8am onwards. Got down there, met Jock, looked around the room and went, okay, and then walked out. <laughs> Felt a little guilty about that, but that is who we were there to see. Um, but yeah, thoroughly lovely bloke. Quick and side note, is Jock his real name? No. It's really, really well, I don't know. It's I think it's Michael something. Yeah, let it Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> Big fan. Uh, He's called Jock, as far as I know. <laughs> but yeah, basically, um, Batman Who Laughs six issue miniseries. Schneider and Jock spans out of metal. Batman Who Laughs has had appearances recently in. He was in the Immortal League. Man. Immortal Man Number and now Justice League. No, Justice yeah. League. It's it's so, Mark Simpson before we went any further. Mark Simpson. Yeah. Jock's name is Mark Simpson, not Jock. So Mike I and dis- Matthew were both bad guesses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite, we got the M part right away. Yeah. I'm quite disappointed. I thought his name was Jock. I is thought, he had his name? I thought he just came out of the womb and they were like, Jock. That looks like a Jock. That looks like a Jock. short for something? Uh, Jockson? Short for Mark Simpson. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah. No, obviously, um, I think when Dark Knight's Battle first came out, uh, and you had the sort of dark multiverse Batman, that the Batman who laughs was, from the get-go, the most interesting. Because yeah. uh, I feel like everyone's always had that thought in the back of their mind of, what if Batman broke his core rule? What if he went a step too far? What if Batman actually killed the Joker? Mm-hmm. Which we find out releases the Joker toxin, which infects Bruce Wayne, Batman, who... Uh, evolves into what's called the Batman who laughs. Um, Essentially, Batman's yeah worst nightmare. It is Batman's worst nightmare, yeah, because ultimately uh, you have the Dark Multiverse. Batman are the villain of Dark Knight's Metal, but uh, they are orchestrated by the Batman who laughs. Yeah. You can essentially say he's the big bad. Because even with the the metal preview stuff, yeah, it was always Batman who laugh and Barbados, 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 yeah, yeah, was always taken off. Well, Batman who laughs seems to be the, the sort of right-hand man yeah. of Barbados. So it's, it's, it's the one that makes the most sense out uh, of all of them. Which, personally, for me, like that, the absolute highlight of metal was the uh, the final fight between Batman uh, and the Batman who laughs, where Batman essentially teamed up with the Joker. Um, yeah, I mean, the reason for that was because the Batman who laughs was able to say, I know you every thought, Bruce. I yeah. know what you will do. And what's the one thing he could not have foreseen Batman doing? Asking for the Joker's asking help. Asking for the Joker's help, exactly. So it's the yeah. one thing that so, uh, he couldn't actually see. To find out, obviously, following on from Metal, the Batman Who Laughs is still around, like we say, appearances in Immortal Man and Justice League, uh, to get his own series, which there's actually, there's a weak quote here in the synopsis of the previews that really intrigues me. Um, you know, spanning on from the realisation that the Batman Who Laughs is still very much at large, is that uh, essentially when Bruce Wayne realises the only way to stop the Batman who laughs is to kill him, he must consider violating his his one rule as Batman, which essentially is the same rule that created the Batman who laughs. Yeah, uh, yeah I have to say at this point, this better not be a situation where if he did kill him, he would release Joker toxins. That would be <laughs> a vicious circle of the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. I mean... I've the the preview stuff they've shown for this has been very interesting so far. You've got a great uh, profile of Batman who laughs. You've also had a picture release which people christened Bat Punisher. Yeah. So it's Batman with about a hundred guns on his back. Um, Batman which, using guns? I thought Batman didn't use guns. Well, the, this is what it's. I suppose what it's uh, trying to emphasise is that like these are the extreme measures he has to go to because whatever your interpretation of Batman in. You know, TV shows or movies or whatever, his carnival has always been no guns. Mm-hmm. The one time he broke it was Final Crisis. He shot a gun to uh, try and kill Darkseid. And, you know, even Darkseid in that moment is like, yeah, you won't shoot that because we know you're one rule. So they've always been consistent with it in the comics. So for it to be this extreme, um, I mean, when it was first announced, I thought it was going to be a black label title. It was yes. going to have its own continuity. So is this is this run part of the actual? No, Earth this is this then? is canon. This, this is, is canon. canon. This is when they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is part of the Dark Knight's Metal canon. This is part of the Justice mm-hmm. League canon. This is part of the Immortal Man canon. So uh, again, six issue miniseries. I am all over this. Um, it's a miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Six yeah. issues. Six just issues. All over this. Uh, uh, launches in December. So will be over by May. Mm-hmm. Artwork. Yeah, just Jock keeps teasing pages on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that looks better is Capullo uh, teasing Swamp Thing, but <laughs> well, for Karen's benefit. <laughs> uh, nice. So uh, I'd yeah. love to know how he sees through that thing. Get a big spiky <laughs> color around his eyes. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. two of those are see through. Maybe he has no eyes. Maybe he's like Daredevil. Maybe he works yeah, on side. Yeah, yeah. 
What I mean, but again, maybe, I like the idea of exploring that yeah. character. Yeah, but can can he see color, like Daredevil? Or <laughs> I feel like maybe the Batman who laughs should be marrying Alicia because you know he can't see, <laughs> she can't see. The crossover coming in twenty nineteen. <laughs> you had to ruin something pure like marriage there, didn't Look. you? <laughs> as great as a crossover as that would be, it would never beat the crossover of twenty eighteen. Bill Force. I'm good. One man mission to get people interested in that. <clears throat> anyway, so that was uh, choice one. So that was uh, uh, Batman Who Laughs, issue one of six. Schneider and Jock. Next up. Uh, next up's an interesting choice, uh, which is interesting. I actually did not point out that the variant covers for the Batman Who Laughs are going to be drawn by Ben Oliver, who, coincidentally enough, is also going to be doing the variant covers for the series, uh, Freedom Fighters. Uh, which is going to be a 12-issue maxi-series launching in December, written by Robert Vanity, which, uh, having we look through his history, wrote uh, Green Lantern. Had a good long run in The Flash uh, as well, New 52. Flash, yeah, he's uh, currently working on Hawkman. Did Damage as well, some of Damage, damage. as well. Oh yeah, I read Damage. <laughs> so what's Freedom Fighters? On and off, for those of us who don't know. Freedom Fighters is, I'm just going to read from the synopsis, because it's straightforward and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Line up. Imagine a world where the Nazis won the war. That's yeah. that's essentially yeah. what it is. It's uh, with and stand with superheroes. Almost. <laughs> it's uh, it's an all new maxi series set on Earth X, where the Nazis won World War Two. Oh, Earth X. That's where the crossover. Yeah. Uh, the last See, uh, WBs. C W. C W. This is where I heard of the Freedom Fighters because the with the C W crossover had the Ray, which then I looked into the Ray and he was part of the Freedom Fighters. That's how I heard of them. Was uh, through the CW stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this essentially, um, it follows 20 years after the uh, invading and occupying America, Germany wiped out all meta-human resistance, including the original Freedom Fighters. Bye-bye, Ray. Uh, <laughs> Not the modern night. You could say... Uh, <laughs> all that research. Well, <laughs> so, uh, fast forward to the present day, a new team of Freedom Fighters has emerged, emerged to challenge the Nazi occupation... Oh. Occupy. Occupation. The, uh, the occupation. 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 I hate the way Nazis do that. <laughs> Occupy places. Edit. Uh, the challenge in actually occupation, once again, uh, though if they're going to have any chance of victory, they're going to need Uncle Sam, who disappeared after his original team was killed. Uh, so it's going to kick off a 12-part epic title, Death of a Nation, and... It just seems really interesting. Like, when I first read the synopsis, I sort of thought of the, the Man in the High Castle. Yeah. Which I haven't read nor seen, but I know it's critically acclaimed. It's sort of one of those uh, alternate history storylines, which, if I had time, I'd be all over that, but <laughs> I just don't have time. Do you have time to watch Winter Soldier and look for Bucky in the background? <laughs> <laughs> we all know that didn't go very well. Time to check your Tinder profile three times tonight. <laughs> He's looking at it now. <laughs> Put your phone away. Uh, it just never stops with you people. <laughs> uh, you people. Oh, jeez. So, guys, in case you haven't, t- uh, in case you can't tell, this is going to be my last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll jump on this as well. I mean, I, I love alternate history stuff. I love, I mean, it's almost essentially a what if story. What if yeah. the Nazis yeah. had won the war? But being fleshed out, obviously, to have its own continuity, its own world. Um, this is one when I looked through the previous book as well. I I thought it sounded really really interesting, and again it's a number one. It'll fill in all the history you need in the first five six pages. 
and then sort of set you off from there. Uh, I trust the um, I trust the creators Eddie Barrows as well the artist he did a good run on Nightwing in the new 52 really talented artist fantastic artist yeah so yeah I, I can get on board this as well and again it's something outside the, the realms of traditional DC and Marvel titles yeah. I mean when I first read the synopsis I thought it was going to be a Vertigo title uh-huh. I mean there are metahumans and stuff in it I suppose uh-huh. but it just wasn't something that I thought just fit the normal DC mold and again a lot DC have had great um, success with Maxi series recently, Mr. Miracle, which oh, we'll get to in a moment. we'll get to Mr. Miracle. Which we'll get to. Don't you worry. <laughs> We've so, got plenty of Mr. Miracle coming up. So yeah, that's, that's pick number two, so that's Freedom Fighters number one. Is. And speaking of Mr. Miracle. And of Maxi series. And of Maxi series, we're going to jump straight into recommendation number three, which is quoted as, in the tradition of Mr. Miracle which I'm assuming is follows the same 12-issue maxi-series format, yeah. is Martian Manhunter number one, written by the very, very talented Steve Orlando. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't need to discuss uh, Steve Orlando's recent works. Oh, God, of course, shut up. Because uh, we, we previewed him last month, <laughs> uh, writing Electric Warriors. Prior to that, he's wrote Justice League of America, Milk Wars... That's the calmest I've ever heard you say Milk Wars. Yeah. Uh, art in this one's going to be Riley Rossmo. Not, not really known so much for his DC work, more his indie work, but he did do the uh, the Batman issues for Night of the Monster Men at the start of Rebirth. Which I'm putting it out there. I thought that was a fantastic arc. It was really good. Yeah, it was like a crossover with Nightwing. It was very and divisive. Detective Comics. No, I thought it was good. Something uh, a bit different to the normal stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Variants by Joshua Middleton. Who's uh, is a relatively well known name? Yeah, he's been doing Aquaman uh, variants recently, and they've sort of the, shot the up in value. The yeah, covers. Uh, yeah. Backer as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the cover for this looks great. It's uh, basically Marshall Manhunter, but with like a cop badge hung uh, dangling around yeah. his neck. Oh, yeah. Who did the the, the cover? Eh? So that's Riley Russell. It looks very. It looks a lot jock. Yeah, a little or... bit. Well, but, sketched, yeah. I mean, Marshall Manhunter seems to be getting a little bit of a push in the DC universe at yeah. the moment. That, Obviously, that's what he's, coming to. Yeah, he's, he's uh, been pushed quite a lot in Supergirl, one of the main characters there in the yeah, TV yeah. show, but then also in Justice League, he's yeah. one of the main yeah. guys. He's, so he's the, one of the, he's the thing, chairperson yeah. of the... Absolutely, yeah. you know, he's yeah. the main drive of that title. Yeah. Um, so, while I'm a little hesitant with anything that says, in the tradition of, you know, mm. in what sense, what, because 12 issues... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this looks. I feel, I feel like it's when it says in the tradition of like it's just going to be very grinded. Like it just from from what I get from the synopsis, it's uh you know sort of uh, Marshman Hunter himself. He's he, he's about as corrupt as a law officer can be. From the synopsis here, um, I take this as a flashback to Mars then. That's the thing. It's not. It doesn't very, seem like it's it. not very clear. Um, uh, it's just back on Mars so I'm going to assume it must be a flashback because mm-hmm. obviously in the DC universe Mars is very Krypton uh, is Krypton the name of the planet yeah Krypton was destroyed when he's doing the DC stuff and he doesn't know the name <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying Mars is destroyed like Krypton yeah. but we're going to edit it's going on like all the round like this description's going um so yeah it's going to be set on earth so basically you're going to have flashback um, stuff on it as well so what they basically say here is um, Steve Orlando and Riley Rossmo they also did a great crossover uh, Batman in the Shadow which is very very good oh, yeah. uh, was pretty excellent 
Um, so basically, back on Mars, John was about as corrupt as a law officer can be. And when a reckoning comes for his entire society, he'll get a second chance he doesn't want or deserve. One shocking murder and an unexpected fragment of the Mars he lost will change his life and the course of the Earth forever. So you get the feeling this is going to... Um, between the two it'll probably have flashback <laughs> stuff to and Mars is that, is that canon was was John Jones like a, a <clears throat> not a character I'm a, cop. The, the main mm. stuff I know about John Jones in, is from New Frontier it's the main thing I think of when mm-hmm. he came to Earth um, and he basically just wanted to blend in and observe mm-hmm. um, but he ends up getting involved but well, it's a, I mean I knew his society had been destroyed and such mm-hmm. but I didn't realise that he was like a bad guy before yeah. he was a and then he actually wants to reinvent himself sort yeah. of as a good guy but I mean that's hopefully what a series like this is gonna do. Update, update the idea of that character, give people a fresh perspective on it. And again, it's it's another one to jump on where you know twelve issues done. And the last time they did launch something like this, even though I again I loathe in the tradition of, <laughs> Mister Miracle came from nowhere and just surprised everybody by being one of the best things around. So I've real I've really high hopes for this one as well. Does that say twelve issues? Twelve, 12 issues, yeah. yeah. Maxi series. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that as well. So that's uh, pick number three, Martian Manhunter number one. And then there's going to be a very familiar sound to this next one. I promise I didn't pick it. I mean, you didn't pick it, but you basically sat me down and said, if you don't pick this, well... (laughs) I said no such thing. I said that about Batman Who Laughs, but... (laughs) But, uh, No, I actually did choose this one because it's Batman. It's Batman. Like, when you think of DC, you think Batman. Yeah, well, I mean, you think Tom Keane at the moment, it's just quality thi- uh, quality title after quality title. Um, certainly with this run, I mean, it's it's a bit weird because previews obviously shows you the releases for a full month, and with Batman being a fortnightly title, they'll always preview two issues. Mm-hmm. 60, not a great jumping on point, end of a story arc, yep. but 61, well, that's where one the, shot. That's where the focus is, because issue 60, uh, like we discussed last month, the Batman... Uh, story arc is going to be sort of uh, revolving around the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not going to go into details because I'll, we read Batman and a lot of people read Batman. And if we tell them what happens, they're not going to read yeah. it. Less and spoilers, the better. The less spoilers, the better, exactly. But it's issue 61 because um, what issue 61 is doing, it's written by Tom King, but it's bringing on Mitch Gerrards in. Uh, Mitch Gerrards? Yeah. Mitch Gerrards uh, on the artwork who. The two of them are relatively well known for doing Mr. Miracle. And Sheriff of Babylon. And yeah. Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, I only found out earlier <laughs> on our uh, reviews podcast. Um, that we haven't recorded yet. That we haven't recorded yet. <laughs> we have, but we haven't. It's, uh, it's... I can't wait to edit this. <laughs> Just for the record, I will off the record, on the record, I love it on like an unedited version of this because it's great. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be somewhere minus a Tinder Are you jokes. saying an extended edition is better? <laughs> <laughs> well, ask Snyder. But uh, like as usual, variant covers by Francesco Mattina, one of the best in the business. Yeah, we, it's we really... discussed earlier taking over Justice League. Uh, we, have we seen Penguin before in Tom King's run? Was it background you, character and jokes and riddles? riddles yeah. yeah, just a background, background character. character jokes and riddles. But uh, was so he we, we don't know or something recently, or I feel like he, he might have been on Batgirl. Does um, he still? I mean, does he still own the Iceberg Lounge, or is he? As far as I'm aware, it, it's not a character I'm familiar with in the Rebirth universe in general. Yeah. Um, but again, because we're talking about Tom Keane being really yeah. good at writing human characters, I mean, yeah. 
Penguin at his core is essentially a mobster, yeah. you know, and I think he'll write something really good there. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in the background of Jokes and Riddles. I can't even remember which side he picked. Yeah. Because there was a couple of great splash pages in Jokes and Riddles where it would literally show the Joker plus his supporters. Yeah. Riddler, his supporters. He wasn't one of the villains that appeared in the background of issue uh, 50 in the last No, DC 50 was always yeah. was the, all the main villains of the King of Riddles. came at that yeah. point, so you had Gotham Girl and you had Bane and you had Joe Thomas Wayne somehow. Riddler, Thomas Wayne, Flashpoint, but Skeets. I feel like any, I, I might be wrong. Mr. Gold, The Gift. Yeah. So I, I, think, might, yeah. I might be wrong, but I feel like I might need to reread War of Jokes and Riddles because I think I remember you do have a couple of really nice splash pages of the Joker and his followers and the Riddler and his followers, but I think every other issue, they, they change it up because the allegiances are constantly yeah, changing. Yeah, constantly switching between the two. So it wouldn't surprise me if Penguin was on both. Yeah. But, maybe uh, we'll find out in this one. Maybe we'll find out, yeah. they're always they're always referencing more adjustment at this point. It's, no, that, it's a modern uh, day classic. That cover, it looks like uh, Batman and Penguin are back to back rather than uh, well, yeah. we can't say too much about the story here <laughs> uh, so we're going to focus on issue 61 like it says Mr. Miracle Team Tom King Mitch Jards uh, it's going to be a one shot uh, Professor Pink uh, Alan's the Morrison uh, the Batman Morrison creation uh, Morrison as we know famous for the Michael McGromad's music videos <laughs> Professor Pink's pretty sc- creepy though at this point, I would like to step <laughs> in and say this will be Stephen's last podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the previous book says it all. Professor Pig is listening to Gotham, and as you know, that means things are going to get weird and bloody. What's weird about Professor Pig is he's a very horror-based villain, yeah. and yet they used him as one of the main villains in one of their animated shows, but where the Batman? Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> they made him like this cuddly character. Um, he appeared in the last issue of Nightwing as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I love Professor Pig, crazy guy. It's uh, He was a big villain in the Batman Robin run by Morrison. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... It is almost a slight cop out for us to say at this point to recommend Batman because you know it's on all of our pull lists. Yeah. It's probably it's our second biggest DC one of the store after Doomsday Clock. Uh, is Batman, the Batman is, is DC's biggest seller overall? Oh, big time! Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Uh, it's, it's new Batman be, comic day. Would I be right in saying <laughs> that uh, Batman outsells all other DC comics combined? Not as much as that. Well, I when you can say. well. Maybe not the Batman title, but if you take in the Bat Family, Batman, yeah. Detective oh, Comics, easily. Like, you know, but for example, you know, Batman White Knight number eight outsold any Batman issue. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's so Batman is their biggest seller. Like, if that's why they brought on the likes of Bendis to Superman, they yeah. want to try and elevate yeah. that to Batman numbers. And in fairness, Superman's maybe in about twenty people's pull list in our store. Batman's on thirty Even odds. Bendis right Superman. Um, because Ben this right Superman um, Action Comics has a good 18, 19 people that's not 20 though it's not but Detective Comics is. Th- this is what's strange about the Batman title so Batman is on 30 plus people's pull list mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of this is down to Tom King Detective Comics is on around 8 or 9 people's pull mm-hmm. list and again I mentioned it earlier Keith was dropping the title he's like it's just not what I want out of a Batman title mm-hmm. but you look at Batman issue every week and you're like come with Phoenix one because yeah. Yeah. I don't even read really detective comics much and you know I made a decision early on to collect one or the other and there was more interesting ones in Batman rather than detective mm-hmm. I thought so but yeah it's a bit of a cop out to recommend Batman but seriously if you're not on it at this point jump on it at 61 yeah. we won yeah. shock get introduced to this writing style to this world 
And then you can always back through three trades. It's, it's always yeah. the easiest way to get into Batman is whenever yeah. it run ends and you have the one shot. One yeah. shot's a good place to pick up, but even after that, that's how I got in the well, just before War Jokes and Riddles. As you know, when I first found the store, Batman is something that I was picking up in the trade paperbacks. And I just missed issue 25, which was the start of War and Jokes and Riddles. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second printing came in, but my OCD nature, it has to be first printing, has to be cover A. Uh, I still don't have a first print. Of, oh, you've just ruined that. Of what? War Junction Riddles issue one. <laughs> issue twenty five. Yeah, I have, oh, no, the, my... I have the red cover. Oh well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I jumped on the Batman uh, single issues with uh, was it thirty three rules of engagement thirty four. Yeah, so Jokes and Riddles ran twenty five to thirty two. So thirty three, which my biggest regret of the DC Rebirth relaunch was not jumping on Batman and Flash from issue one mm. and was jumping into them much, much later on because I don't know how I waited weeks for the, the trades. I can barely wait two we- I can barely wait two weeks now for an issue, let alone two months for a trade. <laughs> that's how, I think that's just now you're uh, two months between Doomsday Club. That uh, monthly DC public se- yeah, published series. Publication publication. <laughs> anyway, pick uh, four is the Batman would but we left the the best pick to last, shall we oh, say, yeah. when it comes to uh, DC this month. And normally it's always single issues that we'll recommend. But there will be times when a trade's being released. You know, for example, White Knight. You know, as I said, we're recording this on the 2nd of October. White Knight comes out on the 3rd of October. So it comes out tomorrow. But there's a solicitation in this one for a trade that... I think a lot of people missed the start of this title. And then they would hear so much good stuff about it. But by that point, it was hard to get on to it or... First prints were 15, 20, 25 pound, whatever, that kind of thing. But as if we haven't spoken about him enough so far, Mr. Keenan is back again with Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. All 12 issues, one trade, $25, 320 pages of pure gold. 16th of January release date. You know, if, if you're not feeling the, uh, what's the word, you know, you need to pick me up after Christmas. I pick me up after Christmas, or maybe a late <laughs> Christmas. I was going to get this for one of my best friends for Christmas. I thought we I... were going to get through this whole podcast without mentioning Christmas in fucking October. <laughs> so Considering that it's the December solicits, we've done yeah, well to get to this point. Yeah, you managed, there to, there mention, been a you managed, special you managed to mention Claus and Santa Claus, and we didn't mention <laughs> Christmas, and Mr. Merrick goes round, and there we uh, go. Even though it's not out of January. <laughs> Even though it's not out of January. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you need to get a very belated Christmas present, or if you need to pick me up after Christmas, or if you just want to read a really, really good story, because that's what it is. Like I said earlier, Mr. Miracle, I was in your, I was in Coffee and Heroes. I had two issues in my hand. I wasn't going to buy two issues. I was going to buy one issue. <laughs> but I says, no. I think it was a pretty big week for me. So I says, I'll come back tomorrow. And uh, I sold out. I went on eBay, £50. So I waited till issue two come out. I managed to nab issue one and two for £15 on eBay, which I thought was a reasonable enough price. And obviously, as soon as I hit buy, I, I text you and I says, can I get Mr. Miracle? Add on the pull list. Yeah. Added the, I, hadn't, I hadn't even read it yet, but I added it to my pull yeah. list because I just I just had like a really good gut feeling. And the fuck... I just I can't put it in the words like we described earlier, Mr. Go Miracle. Try. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's, it's like a miracle. Right. Come I'll, I'll, I'll use interpretive dance. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mr. Miracle, one of Jack Kirby's new gods, new Genesis, uh, Scott Free, world's greatest escape artist, 
uh, oncoming war between New Genesis and Apocalypse at the same time, you know, New Leaf, you know, fatherhood. Uh, impending fatherhood. Impending yeah. fatherhood, yes. Um, but like we said, Tom King, he writes, uh, he writes characters very humanely. And, you know, there's two parts to this story. You've got Scott Free on one hand, who's a father, he wants the best for his child, but on the other hand, he's a responsibility as one of the new gods of New Genesis, um, Mr. Miracle, who uh, ultimately has a war to fight. And oh, it's just a fantastic series. I wanted to I wanted to say earlier, but I feel like it needs a shout out, is issue number five. <clears throat> it was in my top three issues for 2017. Like I'm not going to go into details, but there's a particular character within this series who uh, is going to be executed. But I'm not going to tell you who it is because I want people to read this series. And the whole purpose of issue five is that this particular character knows about this execution. And they're given 24 hours. They're given their last day. And I just feel like it's something that many people have maybe pondered before. You know, if I had one last day, what would I do with this day? And it's it's so powerful because uh, Tom King writes this character and the series so well, and you really can't relate to it. Like constantly throughout reading it, I was sort of like, you know, what what would I do? Is this what I would do? Would I do things differently? And ultimately, it was just like such a fantastic issue. Like it was. Uh, there's no great threat. There's no impending doom. It's just. Uh, you know, it's other just, than having twenty four hours to live, other than having twenty four hours to live, it's just and a war between Eugenics and the Pope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's just it's a self contained issue. It's it's your last day on earth. You know, it's this one character doing what they love, and it was just it was fucking fantastic. Well, is that, that a soft cover or is that a this? Uh, it's a true paperback. Yeah, sweet. Stick it down for that. <laughs> I'm sold. Like, oh. I mean, what I would say is that if you enjoyed Tom King's Division, yeah, you know, Tom yeah. King. Tom King was one of those guys, he used to be in the CIA, he decided to try his hand at comics, he wrote for Marvel first, um, I get the impression Marvel didn't quite know what they had, he slipped away, but you know, this happens between both companies all the time, you know, as we said earlier, Kyle Higgins going across to write yeah. uh, Winter Soldier, and, and, and that's the way it should be, to be honest, you shouldn't be confined to one company, and only get to play with those you know, superheroes, so to speak. But the vision is a phenomenal run. It's one of the yeah. best limited series runs of the last ten years in Marvel, and I feel I've always felt like Mister Miracle is that companion piece right, to that. Okay. Uh, that's the highest compliment I could possibly give it. Um, so with that one, you know, my birthday's the ninth of January. You know, it's out on the sixteenth. You well, want to pick that up for me, Stephen? It's no problem. On your recommendation, of course. That's Alan speaking as if we don't already have plans for his birthday, which we may or may not have. So I'm suggesting you would buy him a comic at another store in order to you. <laughs> so if you want to buy that one day when Vicky's running the store, so I don't know what it is you're picking me up. Um, yeah, so that uh, that's the last DC solicit. Um, yeah, Mister Miracle, fantastic title. It, it'll be in a lot of end of year uh, lists, I would say. Yeah. But also, as much as Stephen's recommending the trade, he's also sad because the last issue of it's out next month. I'm heartbroken to be honest. Like. Uh... Like, I've even seen people write on Twitter about this, and they've um, tweeted Mitch Gerads and Tom Keane saying, can you not make this an ongoing? And they said, the story was planned out for 12 issues. That's the story we want to tell. We may come back to this character, but we're not going to continue writing the character for the sake of it, because it's selling well. 
We have a story to tell, we're going to tell it, and then we're done. Honestly, as much as I love this series, and as much as I love for continuations, if issue 12 is anywhere near as good as the whole series, just don't touch it again. Because mm. that's, that's how good well, That's what the vision is, in yeah. a way, but at the same time, I mean, it's interesting what we were chatting earlier about Superior Spider-Man and a new writer coming on from Dan Slott. Mm-hmm. The vision launches in the end of November, but it's a new writer, it's not yeah. Tom Keane, mm-hmm. but it seems to be following that continuity that they established so mm-hmm. I'm on the fence with it I'll probably give the first issue a go and see but yeah. I mean it can't work Doomsday Clock's proved that I think Doomsday Clock has been ridiculously respectful to Watchmen yeah. and it's a great companion piece but it's a different writer you know so it can work but we'll wait and we'll see with the vision the next one and yeah with Mr. Miracle leave it alone after that yeah at least for a little while you know just let it settle and be its own little mini masterpiece so to speak i mean that's the nature of the nature of comics and characters that you know creative themes change you know um you made a 12 issue series and then it'll be left alone for a while and then someone else will yeah yeah. inevitably as you say pick it up but that's that's okay that's the way things are done well even similar to what i said i mean when when schneider was writing batman i thought i sort of thought who in the world is going to write this even half as well as Schneider and now I think Tom Keane has usurped him mm-hmm. yep. you know so it's as you say it's the nature of the nature of the industry is the way it goes but uh, there's a, a few other honourable mentions just to throw out there I think Catwoman's been very strong recently I could be alone in that but issue 3 of it was bloody awesome um, going into detail for a previous character so it's only 6 issues in at this point Green Lantern will throw another shout out it's being solicited for issue 2 Varying cover by Francesco Mattina. On the Green Lantern, I was actually reading an interesting article earlier because uh, I feel like a lot of people, whenever they discuss the title, they say, oh, Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morrison's actually says, guys, come on, it's called The Green Lantern. Because yeah. it is just Hal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not called The Green Lantern because Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, he's calling it The Green Lantern because of the physical The yeah. Green Lantern. I read the, uh, the preview. And yeah. back of last last week's releases, it actually is seems like it will yeah. be great. Just seeing that famous um, Green Lantern, uh, what, what would you call it? Is it the Oath? The Green Lantern Oath? Yeah, you would call it uh, with yeah. Liam Sharp's uh, artwork. It's just it's great. Oh, and I'm just looking ahead here as well. Justice League Dark Number <laughs> Six sounds brilliant. Um, yeah I'm not going into details on that because uh, it'll ruin things for Kieran but at the bottom of the blurb it seems to be primarily focused on Detective Chimp and the last uh, few words are that sounds bananas to us so I'm totally in for that uh, yeah loads of good stuff is ever coming out you can always get access to the previews catalogs either in store I'll always have them up at the counter for people to look through in their own time or you can just go to it's previewsworld.com Um, and you can find all this digitally so you can I mean there are again some nice looking trades Uh, I can see uh, absolute I can see Kieran's head ready to explode at absolute swamp thing by Alan Moore volume one Uh, yeah tons of great stuff so if there's ever anything you see that you know we haven't mentioned feel free to pop in the store and have a chat about it and you know we detective comics box set as well yeah, I mean, this really interests me, I have to say. I mean, obviously, 26. Batman is my favourite character of all time, just like Spider-Man is Keith's, and Swamp Thing or Constantine for yourself. As we Constantine. I have a feeling Mr. Miracle's climbing the charts yeah, there. definitely climbing the charts, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're releasing this um, this double box set of Detective Comics before Batman. So it's going to be the first 26 issues of Detective Comics. So it's going to show what the comic was 
yeah. before that because I don't think they've ever really been printed Not before. Really, no. Um, no. Some of those you find are nice to have, just to have, but, yeah, but whenever you, you actually read them, you go, yeah. There's oh, a reason nice. they introduced yeah, Batman. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kind of curious about it. The first volume, Collecting Issues 1 to 13, stars crime fighters like Slam Bradley, Bart Reagan, Speed Saunders, and more. Volume 2, come on, characters like the Crimson Avenger, Fu Manchu, <laughs> and more. Come on, that's. Personally, that just seems to me like uh, a bit of a cash grab from DC. 1,792 pages. It's $150, though. That's less than 10 cents a page. I don't know. That's pretty good. If you is think of a 370 comic, you get 30... Co- is this paperback or hardcover? It looks like a big hardcover deluxe. It it's like a, a hardcover deluxe. Now we're talking about... I don't know. It just it sounds interesting, but again, it could be maybe the interest outweighs the quality. Yeah. But it does look interesting. I just um, think it comes down to, like Keith says, it's great to have, but once you read it, you're like... Uh, right, who wants to borrow this? <laughs> how, many, how many cans of Brewdog did I have when I was ordering this? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Coming up with a very special shout-out... Oh yeah, fingers are on it. Yeah. <sighs> Personally, I prefer the mime and the Rorschach figures. That's what I thought he was talking about. No, he's talking about the Jared Way design Batman and Joker figures. Yeah. yeah. Come back to me when you read it. That he is pretty. Oh, unpublished DC story. Anyway, we're going to leave it there. Um, we've babbled on for long enough at this point. So, uh, as always, thanks to the guys for popping round. All I had to do was cook them dinner, feed them a couple of beers, and uh, they're here. Thanks for having us. So, uh, pleasure as always. Uh, again, anything interests you at all, guys, just pop in the shop or you know, give us a wee message, and uh, we can get you sorted on those titles anyway. But until next time, I'm Alan. Keith. Kieran. Stephen. Hey. Cheers, guys. See Bye-bye. you again. Bye.